Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Home and home. A villainous Wednesday here on Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. Mel Tucker is my villain of the day, leaving the University of Colorado after one season to take over as head football coach at Michigan State. Uh, I think it's now clear athletes need to be compensated for their name, image, or likeness. If coaches can up and bolt after one season and screw the program and the players within it. Other villains, Tom Brady, 99.6% says Christian Fourier he will leave New England. Will he be a villain if, in fact, he leaves the Patriots next season? And Christian Fourier is right. And Joel Embiid, the 76ers star, it has been a bizarre 36, 48 hours for the big man who seems to be embracing the role of villain and shushing the Philadelphia crowd it is a hump day here on Home and Home Radio.com Sports Original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. If you've missed this fascinating few days surrounding Joel Embiid, one of the faces of the NBA and certainly the star of the 76ers, along with Ben Simmons, here's a piece of sound that ought to sum it up for you from WIP Sports Radio in Philly. Listen. I will say this right now at 6.15 a.m. I've about run out of patience with Joel Embiid, and I am fully ready to acknowledge his incredible skill set. Mm-hmm. But this guy is a wackadoo. You're booing me? The one guy who can play? You're going to boo me? My crowd's going to boo me? Because remember, he was the Broad Street bully. He was so, oh, I'm Philadelphia, right? Yeah. He's a phony. Joel Embiid. He is a phony. He is a phony. He, he is arrogant. It's ego. It's narcissism. I mean, this guy, he thinks he's God's gift to basketball in Philadelphia, and it's just horrible. Joel gets paid by the fans. Joel should kiss our butts. And you want to know what? If Joel wants to leave, let Joel leave. He's a yeah. petulant baby. He hasn't stepped up to the plate. He hasn't grown a pair since he's been here. And enough is enough. All it's going to take is one more thing to happen, and he's just going to say, I want out. Right? Like, he's going to say, I'm out, I'm done, because it already feels like he's checked out. Like, that's what he's most interested in is, is, is playing games on social media. Like, you think his teammates are enjoying what's going on, that they have to answer questions about this? And be goofy, man. He ain't going away. He loves this city, man. I met the brother. He, he, he loves this city. If this is what he needs to do to get himself in a groove, get him in a groove. Okay, I would prefer Embiid over a player who don't even want to shoot. I think Embiid wants to play for us. We need to let him play. Yeah, let's embrace him a little bit. Let's make sure the young man grows, but let's not stymie his growth and show some inappreciation, especially when it comes down to what Philly is about, period. We talk smack and we ball and we bully. Let him be a bully. 
Radio.com, Red Zone there, WIP Sports Radio in Philadelphia regarding a bonkers couple of days with Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia fan base. Let's talk about it with Spike Eskin, Program Director at WIP Sports Radio and, of course, the host of Rights to Ricky Sanchez. Terrific podcast. You can check it out, Radio.com app. Spike, good to talk to you, my friend. Who's crazier, Joel Embiid or Sixers fans? <laughs> that's a that's a uh, it's neck and neck right now i'd say it's a photo finish <laughs> i i joel Embiid is being a similar joel Embiid to the same joel Embiid he's always been and i think fans are being the same fans they've always been i think their ire is misdirected uh i i think fans i i understand why they're frustrated with him but i think their their anger is a little bit misdirected currently that would that would be my position on it all right, so Spike, um, always good to talk with you. But can we start with, for people that aren't as familiar with the story, can you kind of give us the timeline of sure. how he went from being beloved to villain and now maybe back? I don't know. Yeah, so the quick timeline is the other night against Memphis, they were the, the crowd was booing Horford a little bit, who hasn't played well. He hit a jumper, and he sort of shushed the crowd, which – it's not really in his his uh, his normal behavior. It was it was a little strange. So then the next the next game uh, they were booing again in the fourth quarter. The Bulls were were winning. Embiid hit a putback dunk, also shushed the crowd, and then hit a, a big three at the end of the shot clock, shushed the crowd. I'm I'm allowed to curse on this show, yeah? They were on the internet. Yes. Am I? Uh, and then he sort of the camera caught him yelling, "Shut the fuck up." Um, to, to the crowd. So he, he wasn't looking at the crowd screaming it, but it seemed like he was sort of yelling it to them, maybe to himself. So then after the game, there is some, you know, consternation with, you know, our hosts, obviously, and, and fans about the shushing. And then he goes and posts a thing on Instagram that says it's that Harvey Dent quote about, you know, dying a hero or living long enough to be the villain. And then Jimmy Butler comments on said Instagram post saying, I know a place where villains are welcome, and Joel Embiid agrees, I think alluding to Miami. Um, And the picture that Embiid posted, he posted two pictures, one of him shushing the crowd, the other one of him playing against the Heat in Miami. The backstory on that, Embiid and Butler are very close. Uh, I think Embiid was, was pretty upset when when Butler, when Butler left. So that, and then, and then we go into last night where Embiid uh, has a game and they beat probably the favorite to win the championship. Um, and everybody loves him again. And then the quotes afterwards were sort of like, Embiid was saying, I, I do believe Embiid loves it here and does love the fans like a lot more than maybe any athlete I've ever seen here. Um, said that if, uh, if he can take the booing, then they can take the shushing. And, uh, and he wants to win a championship and he loves all of them. So that's the timeline. And so my question is, are you more frustrated after last night seeing the Sixers have the ability to beat arguably the best team in the NBA and when they're healthy? Or, I mean, are you happier or are you more frustrated? I, I think people look at how good a team can play occasionally and think that that is what they are capable of all the time. But that, that's the difference between being great and being good. It's just the amount of times that you can be really, really good. 
just because they have the ability to be great on occasion does not mean that they have the ability to be great all the time. And I think that's the big confusion. I don't, I, I don't know when we, when we lost that perspective. You know, Furkan Korkmaz, a, a bench player for the Sixers on a minimum deal, scored 34 points and then 30 points in consecutive games. That does not mean that he can score 30 points every game. You know, the Suns can beat the Rockets or the – I think the Suns even beat the Clippers this year. That, that there's no – again, that there's no – there's nothing to say that that means they have the ability to do it all the time. So I don't think – I am not personally frustrated by the Sixers' play because I don't think that there's anything surprising about how the Sixers are playing. I think they're constructed poorly. Uh, I think they, they – there's very little connective tissue within the team. I think they tried to accelerate uh, the championship window of a team whose best players are 23 and 25. And when you look through the history of the league, that doesn't really happen. There's, there's no NBA championships where the, the, best team, the best two best players are that age because they're not leaders at that point. And they're not, they don't really know what that sacrifice is, and they're not good enough. So I am not surprised by the fact that a team that was starting three, three power forwards and a center had trouble scoring. You know, um, I, I, I'm not surprised by the fact that a team whose point guard still doesn't shoot the basketball has trouble at the end of games. That nothing about this is surprising or frustrating to me. What's frustrating to me is that they went into this season doing what they did and that they, they spent the last three years, you know, rushing something that probably didn't need to be rushed. And I think Embiid is – the Instagram post was not – Embiid does not have a problem with Philadelphia fans. Embiid loves Philadelphia fans. I think Embiid's problem is that his, the one thing he's had over the last few years as he's been through injury and his friends going on and off the team and you know the, the general manager getting caught saying that they should trade him on Twitter, you know all of these crazy things, the one thing Embiid has had has been this really good relationship with fans. And then all of a sudden, this week he's getting booed by them. And I think he resents the team because of that, not, not the, not his teammates, but the organization, because I think he thinks that they put them in this position. And when you look league wide, superstars are not, are treated differently than other players are. You know, they've, they've, through the history of the NBA, the last 40 years, superstars get coaches fired. They get GMs fired. They get players traded, all of these things. And Embiid has not been afforded that luxury. And we can all say, well, he should shut up and deal with it, and he's getting paid $30 million, yada, yada, yada. But that's not how the league works. And I, I think it is sort of fair of him to look at the, the team and say, you were playing me 37 minutes a game the first half of last year after I have two broken feet, two knee injuries, and a broken face. Um, I think he can look at the team and say, you, you let J.J. Reddick go for $12 million a year and replaced him with Al Horford, a guy that plays the same position as me and paid him $30 million a year and made my life more difficult. Like, what are you doing? You, you, uh, you fired a GM for publicly talking bad about me on Twitter. You insisted on keeping his entire front office in place afterwards while I'm still here. You know, that's not how superstars get treated. And I think he's frustrated. And I, I think he's, I, Look, telling the fans to shut the fuck up is never going to go well. <laughs> There's not going to be a situation <laughs> in which that, that everyone's like, yeah, Embiid, we'll, we'll shut the fuck up. But, um, but I can understand his frustration and where it's coming from. And I think uh, while it seemed like it was directed at the fans, I don't think that's really where it was coming from. Yeah, Spike, that's what I was going to get to is everything you just said might be true, but I still don't like him shushing the fans. 
I still don't like him saying, shut the fuck up. It still bothers me. And I almost wonder if this is sort of his, uh, his Ricky Waters for who, for what comment, and if he can ever fully come back from this. Well, I, so the, the guy that I think is more similar to is Jimmy Rollins. And Jimmy Rollins had a uh, sort of an up-and-down relationship with fans because he wasn't afraid to be critical of fans. He was perceived as not always showing full effort all the time. You know, he, he had a famous quote. The, the year they won the World Series, I think it was in August, or he called Philadelphia fans frontrunners. And, like, and that was, trust me, WIP was, was busy for a, a few weeks after that, debating that. And every time he didn't run out of ball the first place, but ultimately he won a championship and he won an MVP and everybody loves Jimmy Rollins. And that's how it is. I, you know, if, if Ricky Waters had followed up for who, for what, and busted his ass and won a Super Bowl, for who, for what would be a, you know, we would all laugh about for who, for what, uh, the same way that we laugh about the front runner comment. So I, I, and I also don't think that people in the world have the attention span they used to. And I, I think it'll be, I mean, even you wake up today and, and the shushing thing, like Angelo's still mad about it, obviously. And th- there will be some people that are mad about it. Angelo, our morning show host at WIP. And there will be some people that hold a grudge. But I think ultimately people sort of uh, feel the way they feel that day based on whatever happened last night. Sixers beat the Clippers last night. Everybody loves Joel. And, and I think we'll move on. Talking to Spike Eskin, WIP program director, host of Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. You got to check it out. Uh, I understand you, my friend, have a problem with my hometown of Denver, Colorado, having oh, professional <laughs> sports franchises. What's your fucking problem with Denver, the greatest city in the country, Spike, having pro sports teams, dude? Well, I look. I understand that like that my my position on this is not going to be met with worldwide um, with worldwide acceptance, and I know that the possibility of what I'm asking for is is limited. But I think the reason that Denver people are so angry about what I've said is that deep down they know that it's true. A home court advantage should not be one team can breathe and the other team can't breathe. That's that's not a fair home court advantage. And if there was a, a venue somewhere, like let's say the Wells Fargo Center where the Sixers play, let's say they pressurized it in a way that the Sixers were able to get used to how the air was in there all week long, but the visiting team was not. There is no possible way we would allow anyone to do that. And I just don't think altitude, when it's been proven over and over and over again, you need over a week to adjust properly to altitude. It's not a mystery why teams have problems going in and playing the Nuggets like year after year after year after year. It's not a mystery why teams have problems going in and playing against Utah year after year. The truth is, though, that Salt Lake City doesn't have much else, and there's no chance that the Jazz are ever going to win a championship, so I, I'm not worried about them. Whereas Denver is a good city. People may choose to live in Denver. Uh, the sports teams are, are relatively well-run. You know, I, I just don't think that the home field, home court advantage of being able to breathe better than your opponents is fair. Um, I think it's actually sort of ridiculous when you think about it. And I think that they should move the Nuggets to Seattle and they should become the Super Sons. I thought I liked you, dude. That takes sucks. <laughs> if it were that great an advantage, 
we'd have the Nuggets winning NBA titles. We'd have the that's Colorado Rockies winning World Series. The, the Denver Broncos winning Super Bowls has absolutely nothing to do with the thin air, as you can acknowledge. So where are we seeing that distinct advantage pay off in terms of championships? No, actually, if you look at home versus road splits, uh, like if, if you normalize it based on how good the team actually is, and, and home, home advantage for Denver teams versus every other team in sports, Denver has the biggest advantage. Just because they have an advantage doesn't mean they're going to win the championship. That, that, it doesn't mean that the advantage is such that it makes it impossible for the other team to play. Like, I, you know, you could put the Warriors, you could say that the, the, you know, the, the Warriors that won three championships over the last you know, 10 years and say, well, they have to play in – Chuck Taylors from 1978, Converse Chuck Taylors. Well, there's still a chance they could win a championship, um, even wearing those, even having like a, you know, a deficiency that way. So I, I don't, it's not that I'm saying that it is, it is such an advantage that it makes it impossible for other teams to play. I'm saying it is a, it is beyond the scope of what I think a fair advantage is. Um, and I, I look, I, I realize I like I'm not going to change the world. I, all I'm saying is, if, if it wasn't true, you wouldn't be so hurt by it, you know? Like, I've seen you, Dave, right? Like, like, look, Dave Briggs, you look like you're an in-shape guy, right? You're a, a, a good-looking guy, in good shape. If I came up to you and I'm like, Briggs, you are fat. What a fat so you are. You wouldn't get mad because you know that I, you're not fat. Like, but if you were 35 pounds overweight and I said, hey, Briggs, you're fat so, it would really hurt. So that's why Denver people are so mad because they know I'm right. They they know that I'm right, and that's why I got death threats when I said this. I was on; they had me on Denver TV station. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. Um, one guy threatened my dog to kill my dog on an Instagram comment. So I think that the reason that everybody's so mad is because they they can't handle the truth. All right, so uh, just in case anyone needs it, here is Spike Eskin's Twitter handle, at Spike, S-P-I-K-E-E-S-K-I-N. That is at Spike Eskin on Twitter. Please let him know from Denver how you feel about his bullshit Denver hot take. Otherwise, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you, Spike, and we'd love to have you back, my friend. Thanks for the time, man. Thanks, guys. See you, man. Spike Eskin, don't like that take, but it is a hot one. It is an original one. All right, let's go from Philadelphia to a trend we are seeing spread across the country. And boy, is it a positive trend. We are seeing female coaches hired in all sports. We saw Katie Sowers, coach for the 49ers, in the Super Bowl. We just saw a hire, the first full-time baseball hire of a female coach ever. We also have NBA Female assistant coaches feels like a trend across all sports. A trend started by Justine Siegel, who is the first female MLB coach ever with the A's Instructional League team back in 2015. And Justine joins us today on Home and Home. Justine, thanks so much for coming on with us. It's Dave Briggs and it's Ross Tucker. How uplifted are you by this trend continuing to spread across all of professional sports? It's not just positive for the women um, who want these jobs are the female fans, but I mean, I truly believe that the more diversity there is on the bench, the more likely you are to reach all the players. 
All right, so Justine, I, I have an int- a question I think is interesting specifically on your sport, which is why baseball and not softball? Like football, I get, but like I, I'm, I'm a little like I, I find it very interesting that your background is coaching baseball rather than softball. Well, I think baseball is the greatest game, and so that's the game I grew up playing, and that's that's what I wanted to coach since I was 16 years old. Um, you know, people often ask girls why do they want to play baseball, but uh, you know, why do boys want to play baseball? Because it's an awesome game. Justine Siegel, who was the first part-time coach with the A's back in 2015. Alyssa Nakin got hired by the Giants as the first ever full-time coach. And you tweeted, the wall is broken. Um, how, how far do you see this going? Will we see bench coach? Will we see at some point a major league manager? You know, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, you know, the Giants hired her, so she's the first woman at the coaching at the major league level. Uh, there were two other coaches hired, um, Rachel Folden by the Cubs, Rachel Balkovic by the Yankees this year. They're both um, – well, Rachel Balkovic is actually a full-time Yankees hitting coach just in the minor leagues. Um, so I don't know where this, where this is going to go. Um, I think it's important to get qualified people up in these positions and – you know, like I said, I mean, I've been on so many different team staffs, and I have players who will come up to me and discuss sort of what they're struggling with, and they would not come up to someone else, one of the other guys, whether they're a pro player or not. So I think the more vibes you have out there, the more likely you are to connect with players, and, and that's obviously the point is to help the team win. Absolutely, Justine. I, I guess my question is for any of these hires, like, for example, the Redskins uh, just hired the first African-American female coach. Um, when you when these hires happen, how do you balance the perspective of they've earned this position versus some people that might believe that the team is only making the hire for PR purposes or for diversity purposes? Sure. I mean, I think sometimes there is a little PR in it, depending on the person. And, and sometimes it's just the best hire you can find. But again, I think you have to remember that a female coach is going to come up with a, it. They have a different perspective because they grew up differently and they've had different opportunities. So that different perspective is what's going to help teams. It's just like we need to have African-American coaches. We need to have coaches who speak Spanish come from um, so that we can reach all of the players. And interesting, you know, like when I was in instructs and, you know, every the guys are 17, 18, 19 and, you know, their mothers are their are so important in their lives that they're used to talking to women. They're used to talking to their girlfriends. They're used to having women around in, in a, in a different way that allows them to trust. And I'm not saying that every woman would make a great coach. That's not what I'm saying, but, I always considered being a woman an advantage, a tool that I had that the guy next to me didn't. So I had the baseball knowledge and the work ethic and and just all the effort put in. And then you put in the fact that I have something that everyone else doesn't. You know, that just, to me, that's, that's a benefit. And the players that I worked with found it as a benefit as well. 
Talking to Justine Siegel, who coached with the A's organization back in 2015. What was the reception like for you amongst the players back then? A, a male-dominated clubhouse scene. And do you hear from some of these female coaches in various sports today and how the reception may have changed over the years? Sure. Um, well, you know, I started coaching in 2009 when I first broke the barrier with the Brockton Rocks and Can-Am League. I spent three years as an assistant coach at Springfield College with their baseball program. I have a PhD in sports psychology. So it wasn't like I was just coming out of nowhere and taking this job. I actually am a scout school graduate. It took me four years to get the job. Um, you know, and then, and then I have more coaching since then. But um, so it wasn't like, yes, it's shock. At first, like, does she know what she's doing? Yes, she does. Okay, she's part of the team. And so I think, you know, men men really just care about can you make me a better athlete? Can you help me win? Can you help me keep my job? And if you can do those things, that's what they care about. Um, I think that that trend is, is, is going to continue because people are starting to realize that diversity is not just a token. It helps people. It helps teams win. It helps companies, you know, make more money. Justine, I'm curious. You said something interesting. I should have followed up right away that you love baseball. Baseball is a sport. When I asked you, I have a couple daughters, and I, I coach their softball team, which I love, by the way. It's awesome. Um, my question is, what what do you like? What, what's different about baseball and softball, just throwing it overhand, or are there different aspects of the game? Well, they're really different sports, and, and, and one way to sort of amplify this difference is that if we were to turn Major League Baseball into a softball league, people would be like, what are we doing? Like, that doesn't make any sense because they're obviously different sports. So, so the clear difference is if you're not familiar with softball versus baseball is that softball has, uh, throws underhand, like fast pitch. It's a very quick game. The bases are shorter. The, bites are, the bats excuse me, are, are lighter and longer. Um, and it's, it's just different. It's, it's a quicker game I, in, in some ways um, at the highest levels. But, um, you know, baseball is what I grew up with. I'm, I was a pitcher growing up, high school men's leagues, and, you know, there's something about throwing the perfect curveball, you know, that I can't walk away from. I have long thought Becky Hammond, who is an assistant coach with the San Antonio Spurs, will be the first ever to break the, the glass ceiling, if you will, as a head coach of a male sport. Do you think we'll ever see a head coach, whether it be football, baseball, basketball, and if so, what sport do you think it's most likely? Yeah, I think Becky's a good choice in basketball. Um, I think there's not that barrier like softball, baseball, where people, you know, they realize that it's not exactly the same sport. And basketball is basketball. I mean, there's, you know, there are obviously some differences, but it's basketball, it's basketball. And again, I mean, I can't stress this enough. Players want to win. Players want to do well. And if you can make that happen, then they're going to embrace you. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a female. Agree, agree with that wholeheartedly. Justine Siegel, great to have you on the program. Really appreciate the time. Love to have you back as we see this trend continue to evolve and spread across all sports. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, Ross Tucker will talk to a man who didn't just want to celebrate winning his fantasy football championship. He had a 
engagement like photo shoot with the trophy. Why? And who led him to that fantasy title? Also, is he the greatest home and home fan this season? We'll break it down for you after a break. Yeah, I love that dude, by the way. And looking forward to talking to him. I also love Codable co founder Gretchen Hebner because she experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. Then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. You can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones, then find the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised she found qualified applicants so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes, try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. How do you celebrate a fantasy football championship? Usually it's the losers that make the news we've got a winner who did something i have never before seen in fantasy football history we'll also celebrate the greatest fan in home and home history we've got some incredible clips from the last several months it's going to be some tough competition on a hump day home and home Radio.com Sports Original brought to you by ZipRecruiter check them out ziprecruiter.com/enter they are the smartest way to hire so how do you pardon you ross tucker got a little bit of a, a cough there fella how do you celebrate your fantasy football championship i guarantee you have never done anything like our next guest his name daniel hickson and you may or may not have seen his viral photos an engagement like photo shoot with his fantasy football trophy heck i've never even seen before a fantasy football trophy quite like this one. If you're watching us on the radio.com app, you can see the photo shoot right now. And now you can hear Daniel Hicks and Daniel, thanks for coming on the show. Tell us about the fantasy football win. And where did you get the idea to have this romantic photo shoot with your fantasy trophy? Yeah. Hey, thank you guys for having me on. Um, before I start, um, as you can see the trophies right here with me, uh, when y'all were talking with Mark, Marquette King earlier. Um, Ross, you said you had never really heard someone be addressed by two names, Marquette, Marquette, kind of day-to-day. You know, I go by day-to-day name changes as well. You know, some days my name is Daniel. Other days I'm suit fam, two-time fantasy champion. So, you know, now you've met two people. So, but yeah, you know, um, first off, thank you guys for having me on the show um, with the idea. I just, I give glory to God for it. I'm not a very creative person. Uh, if you talk to my friends, I'm kind of a vanilla person, um, but I just give him the credit. I think he helped me come up with the idea. Uh, the idea kind of came where all my great ideas come from, which is the shower. Uh, I was really just taking a shower one day, just kind of deep in my thoughts and stuff. And uh, 
uh, I had recently won and was just thinking of, hey, how's the best way uh, I can further cement this second win for me in this league? Um, I love fantasy football. I think the best part of it is the um, the smack talking, uh, rubbing it in people's faces. Um, so I came up with the idea of, of doing an engagement photo shoot with it. Uh, so I knew I needed, uh, for this, I'm, I was going to need a woman's touch. So I actually, to further uh, cement the showboating, I reached out to my brother's girlfriend, who he's in the league with us, um, and I had her do the photos for me. So she's in College Station at uh, Texas A&M. She drove in. I live in Spring, which is just about 30 minutes north of Houston. Uh, she came in. We went to uh, kind of a park area not too far uh, from my home, and we just did the photo shoots. I kind of had some ideas. I'd done some research. Um, you know, so my age, I'm 23 years old. Uh, when I go on social media, all I see is people getting engaged. So that's kind of where the engagement idea came from. I wanted to kind of come in on the fun. Uh, and so I kind of had looked around, saw some engagement ideas, some photos I wanted to recreate, uh, kind of had the vision set in place. And then uh, Kayla, she came in and uh, she did an excellent job taking the picture. She is not a professional photographer. She's, like I said, she's just my brother's girlfriend. Um, but we took the pictures. Uh, she did an excellent job um, editing it. Uh, she had like a, an app that she edited it through. Um, and she made the vision go beyond of how I saw it going. So kudos to her. She did an excellent job with this. I really didn't see this really going anywhere. I would joke around with friends or I joked around with a couple of close friends. I kind of kept this under wraps. Uh, my league knew nothing about it. Um, they actually didn't know much about the trophy. This is actually a newly acquired trophy that we got just a few months ago when I won. Um, and I had just revealed it to them at our Super Bowl party. We do our fantasy uh, kind of in the year thing during the Super Bowl. And so just showed it to them then. Uh, so I knew I needed to wait until after they saw it before coming out with the pictures and stuff. And so uh, I just put it on social media, put it on, uh, I have a Facebook and Twitter. So I put it on both of those. And on Twitter, I just said, why not? I just tagged Christian McCaffrey and Aaron Jones, who were two players on my team. Uh, and I only, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I only have about 30 followers on Twitter. I am by no means Twitter famous. Um, I have one friend who has a good amount of followers. And I thought, hey, maybe if he retweets it, I can get like 20 likes and call it a day. Um, but about 20 minutes after posting it, Christian McCaffrey retweeted it. Um, and it just went crazy from there. Yeah, so I want to know about the league itself. Like, obviously, this is very important to you. So who's in the league and how long you've been in this league? Yeah, so we call our league is called the Suit Fam League. The name just kind of so, but just a bunch of high school friends. We all played high school basketball together. Um, my senior year, some of us were on the varsity team and the others were like managers on the team. So we were all kind of integrated on the team. Uh, our coach made us read a book called Soup. And it was some kind of culture, net, kind of cohesive book about, you know, teamwork and coming together and stuff. And so we were having to read this book and not all of us were kind of wondering, why are we reading this book? Um, and all, these same guys, uh, we were all, we all played video games together and stuff. And so we needed to come up with kind of a, a clan name, a group name for our video games. And just one of the guys, his name is Zach. He's in the league. Uh, he just combined soup. And at the time, this is around our senior year of high school, this was 2014, 2015. So the word fam was a very much popular word at the time. So we just brought them together and made soup fam. And so that's how the name came to be. Um, yeah, we're a 10 team league. Uh, myself, my little brother, Connor, 
Tyler, Zach, uh, Joseph, who we call JB, uh, Zach's brother, whose name is Joseph. We got a guy named Yobani, Juan, George, and Riley. So it's just the 10 of us, this league. We're going to be going into our 10th year this year. Um, and so we're just, we just, we love kicking each other's butts. Um, we love talking smack, going back and forth. Um, to me, this is what it's all about. Um, I don't really care too much about the money per se. I actually, the money I earned this year in our league, I spent on this trophy. Um, I like to do with the money I win. I like to give it back to the league in some way. Um, because really what fantasy is all about is just competing, um, talking smack and just enjoying just the love of football and enjoying the love of fantasy. That's why my fantasy league sucks, Daniel Hickson. No shit talk, <laughs> no trading, no camaraderie. Nobody shows up to the draft. I want in your league. Last question for you is what happens to the loser? I would imagine there's a pretty solid punishment. That's a great, great question. So we've done punishments in the past. We kind of, we've kind of evolved. So I love taking things from actual leagues going on um, and kind of incorporating it into our fantasy league. Um, so what I did this year is George uh, Esparza, giving him a shout out, was last place in our league. Uh, for those of you that watched the league, the actual show that aired on FX back in the day, he's kind of the equivalent to Andre in that league. We all love making fun of him. He's a little bit naive in some ways. And so what we did is I got the nine other guys in our league. We had a group chat. We all brought in a few ideas that we all liked. We all kind of then voted on which ones we liked the most. And we actually did a lottery draft out of it, kind of incorporating the NBA lottery system. And so we brought in kind of the, like a bingo set where you can kind of roll the balls and it's got, you know, little tiny pink or uh, bingo balls inside. And so we had different odds based on the punish punishments we liked the most. Um, and so some of the top ideas we like this year, and a lot of this was stuff that we had gotten off the internet. This isn't really much creative talk. Um, things that we liked were him having to sell Girl Scout cookies in a Girl Scout costume. Uh, other ones were, you know, nine against one in paintball, uh, him having to do stand-up comedy on an open mic night. And so we all put the little bingo balls in the little circle and we spun it and we drew the balls. And so, um, in our system, we drew five, and from there, he has the choice of he can either choose, uh, well, I'm going to mess this up now. He can either choose two that he wants to then put back in, and we'll just roll for those two, um, or he can choose three to put back in, but whichever one comes out of those three, he doesn't get to choose the one of those three that gets drawn is what he has to do. He likes to do that, um, and the one that got drawn was that it was going to be, we're going to do nine against one in paintball and he's going to have to wear a lion costume. Uh, if he hits us once, we each individually are out, but we can hit him as many times as we want. And we'll either do it until he gets all of us out or until some kind of time limit. We're still figuring out details right now, uh, but we just kind of figured out that punishment about a week ago. All right, we look forward to seeing that, and we'll have you back on next year at this time to see how someone tops you and how you decide that loser is punished. Congratulations, Daniel Hickson. Well done on the creativity. Show us that trophy one last time. Thank yeah, right you here. for the time. All right, there <laughs> Thank it you is. Guys. Congrats Ross, to you. Hell of a trophy. Ross, what do you think, man? I mean, have you had similar experiences in fantasy football? Do you have like a great championship experience or a great loser experience? My fantasy football league lacks in all of the above. No, I, I actually suck as a fantasy league participant because the season 
is just so involved for me that I'm barely even able to get, you know, guys that are, aren't inactive in the lineup. I am a big fan of like best ball leagues where you do the draft in the off season. And then during the season, you automatically get your best quarterback in base. Are you familiar with best balls, Dave? No. Oh, it's I'm the not. best dude. Oh, it's the best. So you do a draft, right? Which is obviously yeah. the most fun part of the league anyway. And let's say you have two quarterbacks and four running backs and four receivers or whatever. All of your guys play each week. Like they're all available there. And then you automatically get the points for whichever of the two quarterbacks play, you know, score more points or whichever of the two running backs score the most points. So you don't actually have to sit there and every week, like plug them into your lineup and whatever. Cause I'm just, I, I, I hate to be too busy guy, but it's true. I'm too busy during the NFL season to worry about fantasy teams. Like I can't be waiting for the inactives to come out to set my lineup when I'm at a game broadcasting. Like it's just not feasible. So I like that, best ball leagues for season long. That is leagues, a load I, of crap. I, I, I <laughs> suck. I suck as a fantasy participant. Oh, that is a load of crap. Ben, you're too busy to take five minutes to set your lineup when you spend your entire week talking football. It's literally five minutes to set your lineup. No, 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 no. If you're really going to do it right and wait till the inactives come out on Sunday so you know which guys are playing and aren't playing for you, by that point, I am literally on, I'm on a set talking to people in that hour and a half window. I don't have time to during while I'm like live on the air to be like, Oh, let me switch because uh, so-and-so is inactive. I got news for you, dude. I just don't care that much. And I have a much busier, more fulfilling life evidently than you do. And you have yeah. a lot more time for fantasy football. Yeah, and you also have friends that just lay over for your too busy life. But anyway, we go on. Uh, Daniel Hickson um, probably could get a nomination for best fan um, in home and home experience. Now, we've been giving out awards all week because, of course, the Oscars were Sunday night and the Oscars suck because they're boring and they're snooty and they're elitist and they hand out awards to the movie. What was it? Parasite? Parasite, the best freaking film of the year. Come on. The Oscars suck. The Home and Home Awards are better because we give them for real categories, real fans, and real fun. And yesterday was best comedy. Today is best fan in Home and Home history. And first up is the Bill's <laughs> wedding couple. They were McKenzie and Jordan Park, who actually got married at halftime of a Bills game. Bills legends throughout the proceeding, including Jim Kelly, took part in the ceremony, didn't have to pay for a wedding, got free beers and food, and it was in front of 70,000 adoring fans. Here's Bill's couple, Mackenzie and Jordan Park, on the nomination. Remember that time we got married at New Era Field? Remember when Jim Kelly walked you down the aisle? Remember when Kim Pagula gave us Super Bowl tickets? Remember when we survived Wide Right? We survived 0-4. We survived the Music City Miracle. We survived... 18 quarterbacks, 7 GMs, and 10 head coaches. 
We survived playoff drought. And after all that, we still got engaged at a Bills tailgate. And we got married in front of 70,000 of our closest family and friends, and of course, Bills fans. Um, even through all those odds, I still haven't thrown you through a table. And no fans circle, circle the, the wagons, wagons like, like we, we do. do. Holy crap! Mackenzie and Jordan Park, that's going to be tough to top Bill's Mafia, Tucker. Wait, did they do that just for us? Just for us, buddy. That was awesome. This is That was amazing. <laughs> All right, keep them going. Keep them going. All right, next up, uh, a, man, a man named Jacob Barner, who broke the Guinness Book World Record for fastest time seeing an NFL game at every stadium. Remarkably, Jacob Barner did it in 86 days. He's not an American. He's a UK NFL football fan who got to discover all the great things about NFL home games across the country, every stadium, and NF84 days. Here's Jacob. Hi, Jacob here, aka the Football Wanderer. Absolutely delighted to hear that I've been nominated for Home and Homes segment on Best Fan in Sports. I think I should win this because nobody has been to every NFL stadium in a quicker time than I did this season when I visited every NFL stadium in just 84 days, 3 hours and 24 minutes, culminating in the Thanksgiving game between the Falcons and the Saints. And I'll now be travelling to the Super Bowl to watch, hopefully, my 49ers take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, so Jacob recorded that before the Super Bowl. Bless his heart. His Niners took the L. So maybe that makes you more sentimental towards Jacob. I mean, the effort was incredible. 84 days, every stadium. Yeah, I love Jacob. Um, but his video was not as good as the Bills video. But he gave a heck of an effort. And the fact that he's a British dude that has that record's incredible. So he's in the running still. He's still in the running. Just surviving that many stadiums in 84 days makes him in the running. Eagle Shirley is legendary from Sports Radio WI in Philadelphia. Goes on epic rants after virtually every Eagles game, in particular after a loss. Nobody takes it harder than Eagle Shirley. She is easily up for that nomination. Hi, thank you, home and home. Dave and Russ Tucker, thank you so much for considering me for a fan award. I really appreciate you. I want to thank you so much. Just being a fan for the Philadelphia Eagles is just, just me being passionate. And I just want to thank you. And I, I hope I win. Oh my God, I'm going to be even more crazy. But I just want to say thank you. Many prayers and blessings to you all. I love you all. And God bless. Thank you. E A T L E S Eagles. Eagle Shirley is a legend. Now, Ross, I think it ultimately comes down to the quality of the video versus the effort of the fan throughout the process. And Eagle Shirley didn't bring her normal rant-like style to the acceptance speech. Uh, I love Eagle Shirley, but she's not going to top the top the first two with the videos we had. We need Eagle Shirley to go on an epic rant to be able to have a chance. So we can we can move on from Eagle Shirley. On from Eagle Shirley to Butcher Boy, Joe Shasky from 95.7 out there in the Bay Area. Now, Joe's not just a radio host. He is a radio host who is 
representative of the average Joe fan. Here's what Joe had to say. You will never find a more passionate fan of any one particular team than the Butcher Boy. So that video was from TikTok. Should I be on TikTok now? Well, if you ask my children, God, no, please stay away. They hate that TikTok is being invaded by people of our age. They don't want anyone over 40. But yes, you are a man who always seeks to profit from whatever means possible. So I think you got to get on there and you're going to have, your daughters aren't quite old enough to help you learn TikTok. So maybe we could have a TikTok tutorial here on Home and Home in the future. Although I, I tend to listen to my 14 year old. I, I think I'm going to stay away. Got it. Yeah, I just saw that Chasky was on it. So I was wondering if I needed to get on that bad boy or not. Yeah, tough call. Okay, and uh, I think we have one more. Jeff Lanham. Uh, Jeff Lanham is the guy who lived on the roof of his bar. One of the most diehard Cincinnati Bengals fan ever. And he decided that until the Bengals won a game, this is back when it looked like the Bengals would go 0 for 16. He was going to live on his roof 23 hours a day, including sleeping up there, had an incredible man cave set up on the roof. He ended up staying on that roof for 57 days. And yes, that includes sleeping there. I mean, I've been a Bengals fan since, gosh, probably from the time I can remember anything. My name's Jeff Lanham. I'm the owner of the Hall Grot Cafe out in Milan, Indiana. It was the Monday night football. And it was an away game. We were having our tailgate party inside our bar of the restaurant. You know, I made the comment. I said, if they can't beat Arizona, I'm going to sleep on the top of the roof until they win a game. So now I'm up here seven days later. I'm on the roof. I'd be up there for 57 days. And the Bengals are going to finally score their first one of the season. With Campbell's soup, and now Rossi gets rewarded with quarterback Joe Burrow. Yeah, uh, although there's a little bit of debate as to whether or not Joe Burrow totally wants to be a Bengal. 
Maybe he's got to go back on the roof until Joe Burrow gets drafted and signs his contract. I don't know. All right, our sixth and final nominee for football fan of the home-and-home season, a young quarterback from the state of Texas, undersized, hardly ever got playing time in his youth football league, but that didn't stop Lane Bridges from being an inspiration for all the bigger, badder, and better football players, and he, too, customized another inspirational message for us here and the audience at Home and Home. Awesome, Dave. That they're the number one sports fan. They say because I go to the games or I root for the team. What I think that has a big role is loyalty. Because through a win or a loss or a bad season, you still stick with your team. And that's something a true sports fan will do. I root for the Georgia Bulldogs and the Atlanta Falcons, and there has been a lot of ups and downs, but I still root for them because they're my team and I will never ever root for another. So when you're picking, look no further than Lane Bridges. Lane Bridges has been an inspiration to us here throughout our first year at home and home. Do you have a favorite? Yeah, the Bills couple. That was awesome. Sorry, Lane. You already got enough pub, kid. That was great. I'm going with the Bills couple. Their video was amazing. They got married at the stadium. Everything about the Bills couple is amazing. Bills Mafia, rise up. I have to agree with you. Eagle Shirley, had we played one of her epic rants, had she delivered in the video the same way she delivers on WIP Sports Radio, I think she might have taken the award. But because of the quality of video and because Bills Mafia, I feel like, was was the fan base of the year, even though the Chiefs finally got their first Super Bowl in 50 years. I feel like those videos out of Bill's Mafia before each and every game was one of the highlights of the season. Bill's couple, Mackenzie and Jordan, congratulations. We got to do this again after NBA season because I had a couple uh, NBA potential fans of the year that I spotted on Instagram this morning. That'll do it for us on a fan favorite and villainous Hump Day, Home and Home. For Ross Tucker, I'm Dave Briggs. We're back tomorrow. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.